Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Forward 40. Very excited for the guest that we have in the guest chair today, who is Christine Edwards, and she is the Chief Civic Innovator of Amplify Community Consulting, and she hails from Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for having me, Amani. You're welcome. Welcome. So I, I want to dive right in. I mean, such a timely connection just with your experience with civic and community engagement and just everything that's going on within the world right now. Um, you recently resigned from your former job. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and you resigned on August 11th, which I took note of. I was like, oh, that's my, my maternal grandmother's birthday. Um, what factored into that decision and how did you, like, what have you learned thus far now that you're in full-on, full-time entrepreneurship? Um, so I kind of have to take a step back because the decision to leave in August was really a couple of years in the making, hmm. and it was very timely. So I started Amplify in 2018, and, you know, I started to take on consulting clients in 2018 while I was still working full-time, and I was just kind of testing it out and trying it out. And then in 2020, I kind of had it in my head. I said, okay, if I make it into this year-long leadership program where I knew I wanted to sponsor myself to be in this year-long leadership program, I said, okay, if I make it into this program, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to go all in. Mm. And so I actually made it into the program, but it was right sort of smack in the middle of COVID exactly. and our, <laughs> our country <laughs> and really the the world is, you know, globally, we're all going through this pandemic together. So I had a lot to think about in that moment, but I really wanted to stick to my goals. And so I had, I, I made a savings goal. That was number one. Number two was of course the year long leadership program that I really wanted to go all in on. And number three was the relationship that I had at my full-time job. It was really just to be honest with you, it was deteriorating hmm. um, because I was focusing so much on my clientele and helping to uh, spread awareness and spread civic engagement in Charlotte. And so I was being pulled in a lot of different directions. And so while the job that I was working at was a dream job at one time, it it was quickly not becoming hmm. that dream. It, it just it just wasn't the dream anymore. Um, and so all of those factors factored into me leaving on August 11th. Wow. Wow. And thank, thank you for sharing that. And also just, 
you know, putting it in the context of what we're all experiencing right now, which is the pandemic, you know, a hit to the economy and just like a true shakeup in um, everyone's life. And so I, again, commend you for taking that leap despite all of those factors that are very real. (laughs) It's it's very real. Um, But you held on to a goal that you had. So again, uh, congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, So now with Amplify Community Consulting, you started it in 2018. And um, as you mentioned, it it was in motion while you were working full-time and you received seed funding from the Knight Foundation, right? That's correct. So in 2018, Amplify Community Consulting started out as Amplify Charlotte. And Amplify mm. Charlotte, is it was a year-long project that was kicked off through the grant funding from the Knight Foundation. It was a $5,000 grant, and it was a grant contest. So in 2018, myself and another person both won from the city of Charlotte, and there were, I think, 26 Knight cities. And so in total, there were around 25, 26 um, people who represented different cities and they all won this funding from the Night Cities Challenge. Um, actually, no, it wasn't the Night Cities Challenge, my mistake. It was the Emerging Cities Champions mm. Challenge. And um, so I received $5,000 in order to do this project called Amplify Charlotte. And Amplify Charlotte, it was a Get Civic Kit. So what we did was we created these, these toolkits. Uh, physical boxes, like those little subscription mailer boxes. Uh And inside of the box, we put resources from local government, uh, printed out resources and branded swag that had information like um, how to get in touch with your city council, contact information, frequently dialed numbers, um, how often your city council and county commission met, Wow. Nonprofit resources, trivia and games for kids, really just to spread awareness. And the idea behind that came from the fact that there's just so much going on locally, especially in a growing city like Charlotte, where people want to get involved. People want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's multiple meetings going on per night. So how can you get to everything? You know, yeah. it's really hard to have an understanding of how everything works um, in your local community. And I I give people this anecdote of, you know, how you go to a resource fair Mm -hmm. and maybe you go to this resource fair and they give you a tote bag and then you visit all of the different resource tables and you just put little things inside that tote bag, right? (laughs) Oh, I need this. I need this, you know? And then when you get home, you've got this bag just full of awesome information. And um, one of the ladies that I talked to in my market research said, you know, I love, I love when the city puts on those resource fairs because then I can go and I get my bag and then I hang that bag on the back of my kitchen chair Hmm. and then I can go back to it when I need to. And I was like, Oh, well maybe amplify, you know, the, the get civic kit can be something like that Mm -hmm. where, you can pass this physical, this physical infrastructure of information down to the next person. And so that was a year-long project, and it was just a really fun project um, to do. And because it was $5,000, I felt, you know, I was like, wow, this is 
quite a bit of money to start off with. It is, you it know. Is. <laughs> and so I ended up um, getting a web designer to create a website, and I went ahead and established my LLC uh, while doing that as well. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I love, um, like, as soon as you were talking about the resource fairs, I was like, yep, I've definitely gone to those as well. And you put stuff in the bag. And what I was going to say is you put stuff in the bag and you barely remember, <laughs> like, right. which table you were at. Like, um, even if there's, like, a theme and as to why you're at this particular resource fair, it can just... It's like the information is not necessarily um, cohesive, right? It's just like it it is pieces of paper that are, yes, they are connected to the particular theme that's around the resource fair. Mm-hmm. But then over time, you forget. Um, and I, I like how you were able to brand it in such a way that it was very focused um, mm-hmm. and uh, very, very targeted. And you... Um, like when we spoke before, you, you know, you shared this story about um, even as you were working on the evolution of um, of Amplify, how you found yourself trying to communicate the government better than the, the government was, right? Lo- local government. Yes. <laughs> um, government. So how, yes, I, I guess, like I how did you tie that a- together? Mm-hmm. So that was a really big part of you know, I like the way you put it, the evolution of Amplify, because it really started out as a way to simplify things. Um, The toolkit was divided into three different sections. You have voice, representation, and change. Hmm. And so voice is about getting your voice heard in front of the city council, for example, or just different ways to make your voice heard online. And then representation is understanding who your representatives are and making sure they represent your community. Mm -hmm. But representation is also about you, you know, representing the community and you sitting on a board or a committee or even running for office. And then change is really just giving you the tools to make changes at the neighborhood level. Mm -hmm. And so one of the main reasons that I thought those three principles were so important was because in 2017, at my day job, my job was community relations coordinator. And so I oftentimes went out to neighborhood meetings and talked to people um, and just listened to, to the issues they had going on and seeing how we can plug in and provide resources. And at one of those meetings, a homeowner, uh, an older lady, approached me and she gave me this envelope that was, you know, open and sort of crumpled up and she said, well, can you take a look at this letter? I think I got it from the city. I'm not sure what it says, but can you take a look at it for me? And so I looked at the letter and to me, I could tell that it was a zoning letter. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, a letter with like some symbols and a map on it and it said notice. And so I was trying to decipher what it all meant. And so I was thinking, why would they send this letter to this lady? She's been living here for a couple of decades at this point. I'm sure they have her number. I'm sure they could have actually come by and, you know, just kind of did a check on her instead of just sending a letter. And so I went back and asked about it to one of my colleagues. And it turned out that the letter said that her home or the parcel that her home was on was being rezoned for multifamily. Mm. Okay. Mm. And so that meant that she could she could keep her house. However, the 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 parcel that was right up next to hers, like right behind, 
was going to be developed into a an apartment. Wow. And so she's going to have this four-story apartment right in her backyard. And her home was right across the street from a new light rail station. Mm. And again, there's not really much you can do at that point. But I just felt like there is a level of dignity that community members deserve. And so I wanted to create something. I wanted to create a platform that would help people understand how local government works. And um, it's funny because when I started Amplify, uh, the tagline was public services are jam, right? (laughs) Because it was it was (laughs) it was something fun that we were doing and it still is. But now my tagline is helping communities grow with dignity mm. um, because we're going to grow. Our, our our communities and our neighborhoods, our cities, they're going to keep growing, but we deserve a level of dignity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I, um, I, I definitely imagine that that was a very stressful situation for that resident that you were working with. And um, mm-hmm. especially as, you know, uh, certain parts of the country become hotspots and um, it's, it. I mean, it helps for the economy of those particular mm-hmm. cities and neighborhoods, but at the same time, uh, issues like that um, also uh, transpire where um, residents who have been there for a very long time, when they are not as familiar with their rights, uh, with uh, all of the particulars of what goes on within local government, um, they can be overshadowed when those decisions yeah. are made um, and not taken into full account uh, for, you know, just for the main driver of wanting to attract, you know, um, either tourism or a, a new residency class. Um, so yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I commend, I commend you for your work and I commend you for going above and beyond, <laughs> um, to, to investigate, uh, the issue, the issue for her. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you shared your desire to be a city manager and I love how you put this. You said a lofty goal, but white men have done it. And I, <laughs> you know, I recalled, you know, um, there's it, studies have shown that men generally, and I would say I would err on the side that it's mostly white men, right? Uh, that they will go for an opportunity even if they meet 60% of the qualifications. Whereas women tend to overthink, overanalyze, uh, and uh, doubt ourselves if we have the qualifications for a particular role. So what did you draw from internally to put yourself out there? Uh, And would you tell yourself anything different now, knowing what you know, um, as you're a full-time entrepreneur right now? Mm -hmm. I really like this question because it's making me think. Um, And I, I love being able to answer this question with a little bit of perspective because mm-hmm. now I would just kind of go for it mm-hmm. because as an, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you do have to have a level of confidence and a level of, you know, I know it's going to happen for me. Um, but I think that prior to stepping out on my own, 
I was really hesitant to go for those roles in city management um, just to give your listeners an, uh, 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 an idea. So I graduated with my master's in public administration in 2013, and I just had this fascination around city leadership. And when you get an MPA, that's really sort of the, the track. That's the, the track to become a city manager, county manager, or an administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I earned, you know, I earned the MPA, but, but I did not go into finance or budget. And so that's the normal track to, to city management. And so I think along the way, I kind of doubted myself because I went more so the communication route, Mm. the outreach route, you know, because I'm more of a people person, but I still had this passion and I still do. I still do. You know, I still think that it's it's, uh, a possibility for me down the road. Um, But for example, some of my peers that I graduated with, you know, they're my same age, um, and some of the white males have actually made it into town leadership. Like, uh, for example, there's a small town outside of Charlotte called Mount Holly. One of my peers is the town manager there. Um, there's a town, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's right outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina, hmm. and they hired a 26-year-old uh town manager and he's managing a six million dollar budget mind you these are smaller towns so i mean you know being the city manager for a city like charlotte is you know that's a huge sort of undertaking Uh um but but a lot of people that work in local government they start out in these smaller towns and so as i was going through you know, graduate school. And I, and as I was taking on mentors, I, I started to look at black women mm-hmm. and I started to, you know, take on mentors who, you know, who looked like me and I was taking their advice. And so I, and that's why I do still think it's a possibility. Um, I'll give you an example. The city manager for the city of uh, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, her name is Teresa Wilson. And she's been city manager for some years, and she's led the city through a lot of challenging times, and she's done an awesome job. And so I look up to people like her. Mm. Um, at one point, the city manager of Niagara Falls, New York, is, is a black female. Um, mm. I don't know if she still has that role, but you have to look at city management. I mean, these jobs are, you know, six-figure jobs, but they're also very challenging in terms of the amount of responsibility Uh but what fascinates me is the level of impact that you truly have um and i'll give you one more example of a young woman um her name is nikki hardy and she is the assistant city manager for a city called albemarle right outside of charlotte so i have my you know i have people that i'm sort of watching and saying you know what if she did it, perhaps I could do it too. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. Wonderful. And I just look at the water bottle that I have right next to me, and it says Niagara. So. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. the The representation piece. I know that people may think that um, uh, maybe it's like overly utilized and said. But um, it cannot be overlooked or undervalued. Like, that's very, very key. And also, um, it's it, you, you would think that when you're putting into, like, perspective of, like, public service, um, mm-hmm. 
that there would be more female representation, um, that would be in more leadership roles. And you just spoke to the, you know, you just spoke to the example of, you know, like there are women that you have, you know, sought out and that you have your eye on. Um, But even you having all of the credentials and being qualified, um, there was Mm -hmm. still, there was still that voice, you know, within you, that that, that doubt that crept in. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, you can't be what you don't see. Correct. Right. Correct. And so it's really hard to imagine yourself in that role if you if you don't think that it's possible for you. And I'll just tell you, when I was in grad school um, and I don't think I mean, political science is a pretty popular field, but I went to UNC Charlotte, um, which is, a you know, it's a PWI. And um, and I went to UNC Greensboro for undergrad, which is also a PWI to mm. state school. and. Um, while I was in grad school at UNC Charlotte, I remember we were looking at Hurricane Katrina mm. as a case study. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at the response and the government's response to that tragedy as a case study. And I was the only black person in the class. Whoa. And I was getting emotional because it's like, yes, we can look at this as a case study. And yes, we can look at this as, you know, a fault, uh, you know, a failure of government leadership. But I couldn't separate, you know, the idea that there was systemic racism at play Mm -hmm. and no one brought that up in the class. And I was like, you guys, y'all can't sit here and act like systemic racism was not at play. Mm -hmm. And so I really feel that it put in me, you know, the idea of if I'm going to go into leadership, if I'm going to go into public service, then I'm going to bring my full self into it. Mm. And I'm not going to allow leadership and public servants to just, you know, do their jobs, quote unquote, without looking at the full issue and without looking at the other elements that are at play um, in terms of when you apply resources, when you give resources to certain areas, because it, it was definitely a big, a big thing. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and still on this vein of, you know, local civic engagement um, and really, really knowing your rights, um, really knowing uh, who the players are um, and what board you're on. <laughs> um mm-hmm. I, you know, there was a a remix, I would say, uh, to a song by Ohio rapper Yellow Pain, and uh, the song is My Vote Will Count. And in the song, you know, he speaks of um, just all of the different factors of what went into kind of like the last election that it could really apply to just about every election season, presidential, I would say. And uh, he's debunking the myth of um, frustrations that people have, rightfully so, that they just see as federal, right? Or just mm-hmm. within the realm of who is in the presidential seat. So with the election upon us, what do you uh, feel that people need to do to get schooled on, you know, their local engagements um, and how to be civically engaged? And what what key things would you recommend that they do? Hmm. So I would advise people to actually go to their board of elections website for their state or their county and they can download a sample ballot. Mm. 
so that they can look at who is on the ballot before November 3rd, before they get in the voting box. Um, they actually, you know, they, they already have all the races and they already have all of the candidates approved. So they're putting out these sample ballots, um, and that's a great way to get kind of studied up on the names mm-hmm. and the issues. Um, because if you're looking at the materials that they send you in the mail, that's, you know, that's advertising. So they're going to put in there what they want you to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get your mail-in ballot sent to your home, it lists out all of the candidates right there so you can take your time so you don't have to do it all in in a snap a snap a second you can actually take your time and look through the candidates look up their names um so i i would encourage people to number one go to their uh county board of elections and download the sample ballot number two i actually encourage people to use um digital tools like facebook to ask questions. Hmm. Um, I think it's important to talk to your network about more than just, you know, who is in the White House. I think that, you know, and and people might look at you funny, right? But, you know, um, if you say on your Facebook, hey, do you know who your council representative is? Hmm. Or maybe you can go in a um, find out the Facebook group for your local party affiliation. Mm. So if you are a Democrat, you can go and and find the local Democratic Party for your county on Facebook. And a lot of times these groups are open and you can ask questions there about who locally is running. Um, So those are two things I would encourage people to do, um, both online methods, Mostly because right now, because of COVID, it's really hard to, you know, use those grassroots methods that we yes. used to use. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And, um, yeah, whether it's county, district, um, that that is key. Like, I know that um, I began to, you know, get more involved with just even looking at the notes from my district's, you know, meetings and just learning right. about like what was being decided upon um, in the different committees uh, that they had, whether it was on land use or economic development, so on and so forth. And I did go to a couple of meetings and um, I know that a vast majority of people, um, for the most part, prior to, I would say prior to 2016, right? <laughs> and also because they mm-hmm. took civics out of schools, which was also right. by also by design, right? Uh, a vast majority of people were just turning out for the presidential election and not so much for the local elections. And then where you get instances like um, a issue with you know, police misconduct, brutality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the attorney general <laughs> who has to come to a, a decision for how to, um, how that case is going to be uh, resolved. Then mm-hmm. it's like that, that's local. That, that's now you're, now you're into local, now you're into state. And uh, oh, yeah. it's, it, it's much, Yes, it can. There's a possibility that it can be elevated, you know, to the Supreme Court level. Uh, But Mm -hmm. people really, really need to get 
educated and schooled and do their due diligence on what's going on in their immediate neighborhood and community first. Oh, 100%. And I think that the lack of leadership at the federal level has uncovered and put a spotlight on state decision-making. Because if you even look at COVID, the lack of responsible leadership at the federal level put the decision on the governors Mm -hmm. to, you know, to decide what their states are going to do individually in response to this terrible virus that's affecting everyone. And so now people are really paying attention to what their governors are doing. And I did a poll, I did an informal poll um, on the Amplify Facebook page asking people, will you reelect your state governor Mm. after this pandemic? (laughs) And it was a mixed review because in the state of North Carolina, we have a Democratic governor and it's so, it's terrible how this this has become politicized, but you have the Democratic governors following science, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, lack of leadership really puts a spotlight on local and state level leadership. And you have the same thing happening with police brutality, um, whereas you have state attorneys generals and you have district attorneys who are making decisions about law enforcement and public safety Um, so I'll give you another example of something that's happening locally in Charlotte. So again, Charlotte is, I think the 15th largest city by population. And so we're, we're becoming quite the large city. And so we have big city challenges. Um, and so I think there was a case where a man was taken into custody and within the three days that he was in custody, he, um, died. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I think he they said that he had a medical episode that first day that he was in custody and then he was admitted to the hospital. And within the two days that he was in the hospital, he died. And Mm -hmm. so they had a civil service board and the district attorney decide that those officers were not, you know, responsible for any wrongdoing in his death. And and our our district attorney is black. Okay, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the the man who who um, died in custody was black, and there's this idea that you know because you have black leadership, they're going to look out for mm-hmm. black people, or mm-hmm. they're going to have black interests, and that's not always the case. So you mm-hmm. really have to look at at the at a case by case level, but I just don't think people are paying attention like to what's going on locally to understand that they can be on these boards. Mm-hmm. They can really, really push uh, independent investigations of the police. They can really, really push uh, district attorneys to take on certain issues, right? So yes. if you really want to get together and make a coalition locally, I think people need to understand the level of uh, impact that they can actually have on the local level. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, because it also speaks to, um, you know, things that I have seen Twitter, especially, uh, where people are frustrated and rightfully so, but I've seen mostly frustrations around, you know, the lack of leadership in federal government, uh, which is not Mm -hmm. a surprise. Um, yet I've, I've been wondering, like, are people putting too much faith into, 
elected officials. Um, and more so, uh, just assuming <laughs> that either mm-hmm. because the representation is there, like, oh, okay, well, um, if I am, if I identify as um, Chicana, for example, and this person mm-hmm. that has been in office, you know, also identifies as Chicana and is Chicana, then, oh, okay, then check. Yeah, like, they have they have my interests at heart. And it's like, mm, not so much. <laughs> like, just because there may be that phenotypical or cultural, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, connection does not mean that... Um, all you know, like all bets are off, and like everything is safe. Like as you mentioned, it's a case by case basis, and also mm-hmm. um, you're you're still electing people into you know like into having your interests. Like these are still human beings who have a life, uh, who also have families, who also have their own views, even if they are within a particular party. Um, and that's why, again, I appreciate the work that you're doing because there are, um, channels for local residents to be engaged and not necessarily, um, hold, um, said, you know, gubernatorial seat or, uh, yeah. the mayoral seat. Like there's other ways to get involved and to still have your voice heard, um, to drive the change that you want to see in your neighborhood, um, and in your county and so on and so forth, instead of just putting all faith into one individual or a select few of individuals to be that for, for you. Granted, they're responsible and I do believe hold people accountable for sure. Um, but, or I'll say, and there are also Mm -hmm. mechanisms for us to show up, um, and be that representation that we want to see. Yes. And I also tried to use that representation in my consulting model too. Um, because one thing that I noticed when I was working in government, you know, as an employee, we often hired consultants Hmm. to facilitate meetings. And we often hired consultants to do marketing and to create campaigns based on different changes that were happening in the community. But what I noticed was that we would often hire the same consultants over and over, and they were not always representative of the communities that we were serving. Mm. And so with Amplify, after the first year and after that civic engagement project was done for the most part, but it does still live on. I really looked at how I could turn that into more of a consulting model and um, seeking out these contracts, right? Using the competitive bidding process um, and and being more representative. Um, What I learned through that is that I could actually get certified Mm -hmm. as a minority business and I could get certified as a woman-owned business, and that was very attractive. Yes. Uh, because, you know, because they, they kept hiring these uh, white-led uh, firms, and so there was not really, there was, there was a space for it. And mm. so I really helped to sort of fill that void, I think. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, again, congratulations. And uh, the fact that you are still, you know, growing and, and thriving, um, in a very complex uh, environment and also the moment that we're in right now, uh, I truly, truly 
commend you for sure. Um, Thank you. And I, I know you're, you're. There's no shortage of, of of business, especially with this with this season of, of everything oh that's gosh. going on, everything that's going on with government and um and voting rights and uh, things of that nature. Um, so Christine, you know that we close with a tea affirmation, and uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share what your tea affirmation would be for our listeners. Hmm. Anything about us without us is not for us. Ooh, I love that. Anything mm. about us. Wow. Anything about without us, us. Without us is not for mm-hmm. us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now that is deep. I, I, I salute you for that. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Thank you. I can't take credit for it. I definitely heard that somewhere else. Well, I, I, I mean, well, I, well, we're, we're definitely going to spread that and amplify <laughs> that tea affirmation. <laughs> How do people stay connected with you and stay connected to the work that you're doing uh, with your company? Um, they can find us on Instagram at Amplify CLT. They can also find us on Facebook hmm. at Amplify CLT. And the website is Amplify Charlotte, spelled out, dot com. So Amplify Charlotte dot com. And I also have a new program launching later this year to help small businesses learn how to gain access to government contracts. Ooh. And to learn more about that, uh, visit contractacademy.co. Beautiful, beautiful. And is this for uh, the Contract Academy, is that also for um, businesses that are outside of Charlotte and outside of North Carolina? Yes, yes. Um, it's still sort of in the works, but it's going to be an academy where you can learn how to gain access to contracts all across the country. And right now, again, our expertise is in state and local federal mm-hmm. contracting is a whole other beast. Yes, it but is. I really wanted to provide an opportunity. So I hope to, you know, maybe, and maybe I can come back on the show and talk more about that later yes, on. Yes. Yes. I'm now. excited about that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm really excited about all that we have coming up and I, and I appreciate the opportunity um, to talk about it. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you. We'll definitely be following and, um, hope to be looped in when everything gets started, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine, for all the work that you're doing and for being one of our 40. Thank you for having me, Imani. Until we connect again, sip, sis, sila, share, and continue to serve.